Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Good morning. Welcome to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Father P.J., good morning. Good morning. So we are in Advent. We are in the looking for the second week of Advent. But let us begin first in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty and merciful God, may no earthly undertaking hinder those who set out in haste to meet your Son, but may our learning of heaven wisdom grant us admittance to his company. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. let us proceed. We are in the second Sunday of Advent, and the beautiful introduction for the Advent read second candle light, the light of the moon will be like that of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times greater, like the light of seven days. On the day the Lord binds up the wounds of his people, he will heal the bruises left by his blows. From the, prophet, from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 30, verses 26. Advent read. Yeah, so the Advent wreath is is this um, really lovely tradition that comes to us um, in in some ways from Protestantism. So you know the, the church is famous for Christianizing pagan customs, but uh, it turns out we can we can bring in the customs of other Christian communities too. There's a fair bit of dispute about this exactly because wreaths of wreaths and trees of different sorts have been associated with wintertime and Christmas time holidays for more than 2,000 years, right? Correct. Um, and, the, and the Christmas tree, which is linked historically with the use of the wreath, they, they come from the same kind of source. Um, this is, uh, of course, drawn from Germanic countries, and the famous episode of St. Boniface, who cuts down the great fir tree or evergreen tree that was dedicated to Wotan, or, or um, Odin, right? Um, and so, so, so uh, which caused a riot and, and is a large part of why Boniface has the story that he does. But um, but the idea here really is the church taking on natural symbols that already exist and adapting them to help us better celebrate our feasts. So the Advent wreath, the way we know it today, comes about in the in the 16th century um, and, and is first at least more popular in Lutheran circles than in Catholic ones. But it ultimately gets adopted by everybody to the point that, right, so our listeners will be very familiar with the four candle Advent wreath, Correct. Three purple and one pink. Um, uh, paralleling the liturgical colors uh, of the weeks. Um, but the uh, uh, the Orthodox have adopted the Advent wreath too. Now, their Advent's longer. It's six weeks long, so their wreath has six candles. Oh, really? Which is, which is just a way of showing, right, not all, like it would be a mistake to imagine the tradition as so immovable or so unchangeable that um, nothing can ever shift or nothing can even be different from one part of the world to the other, you know? Um, I've spent uh, I spent several years my Christmas time, not Christmas Day itself, but usually the weeks after in Africa. Um, they don't really have evergreens in Africa, but they but they decorate like palm trees. Well, a decorated palm tree looks funny to me because I'm from Iowa, but it's but it's their way of appropriating the same kind of a symbol. Um, and, and and so the Advent wreath as a, as a way to kind of count down the days. Um, uh, it has close connections similarly to the Advent calendar, which counts down the days. Right, it's a way of marking time and focusing our attention as we draw closer and closer and closer to the feast. It's very interesting because um, 
for us uh, in in the Latino community, I I think working the same for the uh, speaking uh, English speaking community as well. But the people bring to you the, the second candle as well as the first candle to light a candle during the mass, mm -hmm. and it's it's a beautiful uh, symbol, mm -hmm. but at the same time it's faithful symbol that wants to be in harmony. May I say that in some ways to the church as well. You know, I, I think in I, some ways people don't. I mean, most people don't sit around thinking about like the liturgical calendar or something, right? But 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 the church's life is really structured around two great feasts. Christmas and Easter. And and so the church's year is built around those two feasts. Now, those two feasts, it's worth noting, one is fixed, so the date of Christmas stays the same. Mm -hmm. The other is variable. Easter moves around, and our lives kind of work like that too. Some things are stable, and a lot of things move around. The two mysteries which are kept are the, the mystery of the incarnation and of the redemption, which are the two mysteries by which we're saved. Right. Right. Um, and so and so it's it's natural that those two feasts, which kind of hinge either side of the year, are preceded by a period of preparation, of fasting, of prayer, of penance, of uh, of waiting, of anticipation, of knowledge, of uh, of adoration, um, so that we can be ready once the feast comes. We uh, live in a society that is very used to having its desires gratified rather immediately. And so we struggle um, with this sort of a thing. But it is, frankly, what is probably best for us. Sometimes people do not understand the word preparation in the theological meaning. And this second, second Sunday of Advent reminds us the necessity to prepare ourselves, prepare the way for the Lord, you know? So prepare, it's funny because the word is sort of redundant even in Latin. It's, it's literally sort of to make ready before, like to get ready before. And so it's kind of like, my mom used to do this sometimes. I'm sure several of the listeners do too. Um, the week before the relatives are coming, you clean the house extra hard. Even though right before they get there, you're going to clean the house again. <laughs> wow. But it, sort, but it sort of like mentally prepares you for what's coming and also practically prepares you somewhat. But the, but, but the deeper preparation is interior rather than exterior. I think that's a good way to think about Advent. It's very monastic uh, lifestyle mm -hmm. as well, you know, yep. very yep. rigorous about the, the, the preparation itself, but not for the immediate, immediate actions. Also. It, it also helps you um, to feast better, right? If you fast better, you'll feast better. Um, this is part of the reason, one of the greatest gifts my religious life taught me, right, was, was, was to eat and drink liturgically. So if you if you uh, if you eat and drink according to the church's cycle, if you if you fast and pray during uh, Advent and Lent, if you if you if you keep some sort of meaningful penance on Wednesdays and Fridays during the rest of the year, but then when 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 feasts come, when they pop up throughout the church's calendar, you have an extra cocktail or an ice cream or whatever your version of treat is. Uh, temperance gets a lot easier. You don't have to go on faddish diets up and down. You, 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 you just keep. Uh, you just keep a healthy, holy diet all year round. Iowa Catholic Radio, Be Not Afraid. Hi, this is Father PJ McManus from Be Not Afraid, inviting you to join me along with Executive Director Matt Wilk for Iowa Catholic Radio's Footprints of God pilgrimage to the Holy Land, scheduled for November 12th, 21st, 2023. We'll have Mass at St. Peter's House, take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, and enjoy a special dinner with the atmosphere of Bedouin. Not all pilgrimages are created equal. Don't miss Iowa Catholic Radio's 2023 Holy Land pilgrimage led by expert guides Steve and Janet Ray. Details at iowacatholicradio.com. 
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarah strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsara.org, join s-e-r-r-a.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. One of the figures very interesting that we have in this Advent is uh, St. John the Baptist. And you know, Father, call my attention how the Lord had been using really, really, really the latest, last, the last of the last people with a very simple life, nothing extraordinary, to perform a supernatural and extraordinary role in the history of salvation. The Bible is... Uh full of stories about babies. <laughs> the Bible loves babies, and especially babies born in uh, extraordinary or strange kind of circumstances. You know, um, the, 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 the Blessed Mother, um, the, the story of her birth deliberately parallels that of the prophet Samuel, right? So, 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 so you have, you have, you have St. Anne, Anne and Hannah, the mother of Samuel, so Anna and Hannah, who have the same name, right? And, um, and they both want to have a baby and can't have a baby. And they both pray for the baby, and eventually the baby comes. And the, the parents are so moved in gratitude over having had these children that they offer them back to the temple in service of God, which is not what most of us would do. We'd keep them tight and never let them go, right? <laughs> the, Mary, or Hannah, Anna and Hannah were not uh, Velcro mothers, right? Um, they, they were willing to let their children go. Um, uh, in the case of John the Baptist, the story of Jesus really begins with the story of John the Baptist. Um, and, and used the story of two babies, one born to a woman too old, one born to a woman too young, one born to a woman married many years, one born to a woman not yet quite married, right? So, so like, the, you have these sort of study and contrast. Um, John, by rights, should have grown up to live a very ordinary life. Uh, his father was a priest, and so he, he, he should have grown up to be a priest in the temple. And the priests in those days, not now anymore, people, but in those days... Priests had kind of cushy jobs. They only had to work two weeks of the year, at least in their service at the temple. They would get called up on rota, uh, uh, kind of like the way your, your lector rota might work at church or something like that, um, and, they, and they would perform their service, and then they would go home. Many of them had trades on top of it, but, but, the, but that, that was the fundamental thing. They did it so infrequently. There had to be an MC in the temple who reminded the priests of how to perform their duties because they didn't know what to do. Well, um, John could have done all of that, had a, basically a provided for life that only involved himself in saying prayers every once in a while. But instead, he gave himself so wholeheartedly to prayer that he turned his back on the temple service and lived as a sort of homeless vagabond in the wilderness. Um, you know, we, 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 we see John, we he's presented in images and especially on film, um, he's like, he's sort of dignified like an Old Testament prophet. But the actual experience of this person for people living at the time was almost certainly, uh, I, I think John the Baptist would be like if a, a homeless person or like a scary biker walked into a restaurant, everybody turns and looks and the, the, the conversation goes down. He's a frightening character, and you can tell the people are frightened of him. Herod's frightened of him, ultimately, which is why he has to have him killed. 
it's this one that God chooses, this most unlikely of one that God chooses, to be the, the forerunner, the precursor, the, the Elijah, who's the going to make, way, in the New Testament. to make his way, right? To, to, to make his way. Um, uh, you know, once upon a time, um, this is not a critique, this is just an observation. Um, you know, the increase in devotion to St. Joseph that we've seen, even just over the last five or ten years, you know, in our priesthood, uh, which I don't bemoan. I'm a big fan of St. Joseph, so nobody take this as a knock on St. Joseph. Um, but many of the side altars which St. Joseph is on now, a uh, hundred years ago, those would have been altars to John the Baptist. What? The lady altar was typically to the left of the people, the right of the priest, because she would be at the right hand of Jesus. Correct. And then the Baptist would be on the left side. If you walk into any Orthodox church in the world, that is exactly how the icons are set up, with Mary on the one side and, 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 and the, Baptist the Baptist on the other. Um, and it was because the Baptist was understood to be this link between the Old and the New Covenant. He is, importantly, the last of the Old Prophets and the first of the New. He's both, right? And he, and he looks and acts like something that belongs much more to a time prior to us, but he binds us to that which is new. And all the while, he points, not to himself, but to the bridegroom. He's the friend, not the bridegroom. He's the, he's the best man, not the groom. And he insists on it, which is what makes him great and what makes most of us weak. It's very interesting how you describe that because sometimes we presuming that uh, had been an uh, exclusiveness people by God to perform this kind of missions. And concretely, in the case of St. John the Baptist, this simplicity make us more close, you know, mm. more close to us. You know? This, this uh, simplicity help you to grow in an extraordinary manner through the eyes of faith as well. But it's very interesting that comparison that you said to uh, St. John the Baptist and St. Joseph as well, you know. But today, St. Joseph also performed a very interesting role as well. Passive, nothing extraordinary. Mm -hmm but at the same time, it's transcendental role in the history of salvation. I like, like, that, like that John the Baptist as well. I think it's also worth noting, you know, and like I said, this, that was not a knock on St. Joseph by a long shot, but the church's attention shifts over time uh, because the needs of the faithful change over time, right? Um, but it, it's worth everybody paying attention here that um, neither John the Baptist nor Joseph are the main characters in this story, and, and, and especially in light of kind of feminist critique of traditional religion, um, the main character of this story until the baby's born is a girl. Wow. It, it is, is, is in some ways a poor disadvantaged girl, a poor disadvantaged girl with a bad reputation. And she, but she's the one who the attention is really on. And she really provides us, you know, John is the like vocal reminder. He's like the voicemail that says, remember to... But Mary is the model. She's the one who shows us how to prepare for his coming. Um, Meister Eckhart says famously, um, Mary could not have conceived the word in her womb had she not first received him in her ears. Mary could not have received the virgin in her womb if she not had first received him with her ears. Uh, the, the idea here, of course, is that Mary was not a stranger this wasn't a random kid that God picked. Mary was already wedded in important ways to the Lord, which is why she was able to be fruitful in this most singular way. 
And that fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of the virgin, is what continues to bear fruit in our lives to this day. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Whatever happened to the modern world? Hi, this is Cy Kellett, host of Catholic Answers Live. Join me on Saturday, December 10th at the Embassy Suites downtown for Iowa Catholic Radio's Dinner in December. I'll be speaking about what we can do to help recover a modern world fit for people. Plus, enjoy a fabulous meal and fellowship with your Iowa Catholic Radio family. Register today at iowacatholicradio.com, iowacatholicradio.com. And I'll look forward to seeing you on December 10th in downtown Des Moines. Would you like to get more involved as a volunteer? Intervisions Healthcare empowers at-risk women facing an unplanned pregnancy to make life-affirming decisions. But our nursing staff can't do it alone. Our unplanned pregnancy clinic seeks dedicated advocates, receptionists, and nursing volunteers to meet the needs of hundreds of at-risk patients we see each year. If you are a people person who wants to help moms with unplanned pregnancies, contact us today at 515-440-2273 or visit IVHcare.org. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. In the context before the break about John the Baptist, Matthew, in this coming Sunday, in the chapter 3rd, verses 1 to 12, said, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt about his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And at that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee the coming wrath, produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This, uh, <laughs> the first part is he is very firm, uh-huh. and uh, a little bit rude, if may I say that. Uh-huh. And if, you, if we are not uh, looking this piece of the Gospel and the context, the necessity, an urgent call for conversion, we can say, wow, now they want to stand in fire. You know, I think one, one thing to note right at the outset here, um, and I know you would appreciate in this your work uh, in Counseling Father, is that um, a lot of our people have just been trained to presume all negative emotions or all expressions of anger or frustration are sins, like automatically. This is the, 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 the top one, the top 10. And it's very frequent. And it's very clear here, right? No, the, the, there are times to be madder than anything. And it's right to say it. It's right? part of the human being, you know? It's part of the human condition. And it's at times virtuous in the correction of someone in error. 
like John and the Pharisees here, right? Correct. Um, so, and Jesus, of course, in the temple does the same kind of thing. So it's, we shouldn't automatically presume that anger is unrighteous or that frustration is sinful. Now, we can absolutely sin with it. Most of us have and do. But, 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 but like, check yourself and, and pay attention. <laughs> the other thing I think is worth paying attention to here, right, is that, and our listeners might not be aware of this, right? John the Baptist is not only a really important figure for us as Christians, he remains an important figure for Jews. He is a very critical character in the Quran. He's very important for Muslims. Wow. And he's even considered a prophet by the Baha'i um, and in the Mandian faith. Um, he made a deep impact on the world that, that, uh, that he was in um, and to, to the degree that the Mandians um, actually like, still follow the Baptist and never bought Jesus. They claim we made the Jesus stuff up later that John wasn't really supportive. That's not true, but but it's but it's worth it's worth noting how important he is, right? It shows how significant a character this is. The other thing that's worth noting, right, is that John doesn't appear out of nowhere. He 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 walks into a world that already exists and is doing things. Um, why baptism? Well, the Jews already had ritual washing. That wasn't new. That and we know it from the Gospels, right? Jesus sends people to go bathe that they might be cleansed. Uh, the 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 practice of the mikvah or the, or the ritual washing after becoming unclean, so especially and most commonly women after their their cycle, but also men um, uh, uh, at various points, but especially after battle or after having had to handle a dead body to bury a loved one, say or something like that. Um, uh, this was an important part of Jewish life, but John was trying to say there's a kind of washing that only happens once, and it's meant to be shown by its fruits. Show me the good fruits of your repentance. If you show me bad fruits, we'll cut you down, right? And so this is really a clarion it's call. It's providential. It is. Right? For every one of us who is baptized, especially maybe those of us who were baptized as infants, we were marked from the beginning. That bath was totally different than every shower I've had since. And, and if I want to make good on that promise, I have to show good fruit of what's happened to me. This is the call for the Christian people, especially in this time. People of actions, you know? That's right. It's not only a passive and a simple spectators. More other, than that. The other thing that the, the, the passages about the Baptist all point to, even when even though there's only one section that does this, is the baptism of the Lord himself. And the baptism of the Lord this year uh, will get missed by most people because of the way the Sunday cycle works. So we won't have like an episode just devoted to that. So it's worth saying here. The reason the baptism of Jesus is different than your baptism or my baptism isn't only because Christ was sinless. That is true, of course. But the reason the baptism of Jesus is different is because when you and I went down into the waters, we were cleansed. When Jesus went down into the waters, the waters were cleansed. When Jesus was baptized, it was the world that changed, not Jesus. And that makes all the difference. Now, John could see that, which is why he pointed out, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world which is the reason we, immediately before Holy Communion, hold them up and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And it reminds us what he's for. Jesus didn't come simply to solve all your problems or make you feel better. He came to save you from your sins because your sins are the one thing that you can't ever fix all on your own. And no person by themselves is ever going to be able to do so either. No one. For that, you need God. And you need God to act in a human capacity, in a humanly receivable way. And that's made perfect and present in the person of the Lord Jesus and is expressed through the sacraments of faith in his church. Sometimes we miss in the meaning of the beauty of the sacrament of baptisms as well. 
how we start these graces, how we start these blessings. And probably it's John the Baptist reminds us in a very eloquent manner with a certain language that call our attention. No? I think for unfortunate reasons, um, the language of initiation, which is entirely appropriate to talk about baptism and confirmation, but the language of initiation in the 20th century when it was reintroduced to talk about the sacraments made people think of like club joining. So that what happens when you get baptized is you join this branch or franchise of the Jesus Club. Nothing no. could be further from the truth. When you're baptized, your life changes, whether Completely. you need to or not. Approaching our ending program for this day, could you please send unto Guru your blessing, Father? The passion of the Lord Jesus and the merits and prayers of the Blessed Virgin, St. Joseph, St. John the Baptist, and all the saints grant that whatever good you do or suffering you endure should heal you all of your sins, help you grow in holiness, and bring you to everlasting life. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be not afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Be not afraid on Iowa Catholic Radio. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Go forward and be not afraid.